0: This is Marketing Smarts, a podcast committed to helping you become a savvier marketing leader no matter your level. In each episode, we will dive into a relevant topic or challenge that marketing leaders are currently facing. We will also give you practical tools and applications that will help you put what you learn into practice today. And if you missed anything, don't worry. We put worksheets on our website that summarize the key points. Now, let's get to it. Welcome
1: to Marketing Smarts. I am Ann Candido. And I am April Martini. And today we're gonna talk about a topic that is near and dear to my heart and our hearts, I have to say. And that is the development of company values. Nothing sets a company up for success or failure faster than by either not having, which is the worst, or not developing, second worst, company values. And just so we are clear, company values are the guiding principles that are the foundation of how the business operates. And what culture exists within the business?
0: Yeah, and I just want to thank April for giving me the opportunity to talk during this one because usually on the <laughs> <laughs> I have a limited role to play. So I-, I actually get to talk.
1: This is awesome.
0: Um so yeah, so going back to the actual company values, the typical ones that you hear a lot are things like integrity honesty, accountability, but we're going to talk today about why these are not the most effective ways to communicate values and how to push them further to actually represent your culture.
1: Yes, exactly. And like I said, work that I guess I have a ton of passion for. I which... do
0: too, but I just don't
1: usually get to do it.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, there's the control freaking April coming out.
0: All right, so
1: anyway, hopefully... Or play in
0: your lane and, you know, play to your fair. strengths and all also those sorts of things, right? fair. Also fair.
1: Um, So hopefully you'll hear in today's episode, both the passion, but also really a better way to do it um, with the intention of helping companies get to this place as a result of the episode versus phoning it in a little more, which is where we see those values outlined that Anne mentioned. Mm -hmm. And with that, we will get into how to build company values that impact culture. Number one, identify the key value pillars that your company stands for today, or the perception of what they are. Mm -hmm. So again, we just said and outlined in the beginning, these might be things like honesty, integrity, accountability. And while we feel that when articulated this way, they fall flat, you do have to start from a place of identifying what the values are or what people say that they are in the absence of them having been developed before. So really and truly the best way to start is to get in a survey in of from all employees or hold a brainstorming session or do both, quite frankly, where folks are able to identify what they believe the company values are as they exist today. And what you're looking for here are consistent themes that come up over and over again. Mm -hmm. And we're not saying that you're going to get the right company values out of this exercise, but what you're doing is an assessment of the culture and what has just grown out of what you have at this moment in time. So we'll talk about, you know, how to build them throughout. So you'll get the, the principles and the perspective on how to go and do that in a really intentional way. But you want to just kind of get that temperature check and see where are things. Also, whenever asking for feedback from people know that you're not looking for this group to solve it for you to make the decision for what the values are moving forward. You just want to see what those key themes are and what comes out of the discussion. You also get bonus points for engaging people in the process so that when it comes to time to roll out the values, they're already bought in because you've asked for their opinion. They've been part of the process. They've been
0: brought on
1: along the way. And so they feel compelled to continue to participate.
0: Yeah, and I think the important thing here is when you're doing this assessment, don't always assume that the values are good ones. Uh, exactly. Right. So yes, everybody yes, tends yes. to lead the witness and say, "Well, pick from this list of you know all these like really strong values of what you think represents the company," but what they're thinking in the back of their head is like disorganized, <laughs> disoriented, lacks <laughs> vision. So be very honest I, in this assessment and make sure that you're getting the full scope and you're not just feeding these people what you want to hear back mm-hmm. versus it, because that's not going to do you any good to actually be able to identify what's going wrong or what might not be working totally like it should in order to build the culture you want. And we see this happen all the time is that that part is kind of like dismissed. And so when they actually do roll out their values, everybody's like, They seem tone deaf because everybody's like, what about like the fact that we can't even get our our shit together in order to get the stuff out the door on time, right? Yeah. And so then everybody's like, well, this doesn't mean anything to me because you didn't even address this. Yes. Right. So make sure you're actually sourcing the input that is going to be the best in order to move you to the next step, not just what you actually want to hear to make yourself feel good.
1: Yeah, and I I think that's a really good point, and that's why one of the reasons that I like doing the combination of a survey and then some sort of in-person with folks. Number one, I think the first question should always be, what do you think the company values are today, without any leading the witness, just to see what comes back. And note that everyone will not be able to participate in that. Like they will you know, what what you get back might not even be values in some instances. But then quickly on the heels of that, asking a question about things that are not working yes is also the other side of a survey like that. And if you have a an open culture, you can maybe have those discussions in person. But I do feel like when people feel somewhat anonymous, you get the more honest truth. So I think Anne, your point is really well taken of you, you can't just say we do all these things so good and here's what came out of the values when every organization has things that they need to work on and sometimes it's just acknowledging that as part of the rollout. You know we're gonna roll out the values because we're trying to reset or refocus yes. or we're moving offices or we hired all these new people and we need to really intentionally build the culture. But also we know that there's these other things that we need to fix in addition to building up the culture, and that in order to do so, we have to address that as well.
0: And I think that's a really good point, that values can't exist in a vacuum. No. Right? They no. have to have all the things that support them, the yeah. actions, the behaviors, all of that. So that's why what you said is so critically important. I hope everybody heard that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. That's why you do this work.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But Anne's going to take this next one, so letting Anne talk. Number two is engage a team of culturally tuned-in folks to assist in the
0: value development, Anne. And notice I didn't get the one about how do you actually create them.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you wanted it, you should have told me.
0: <laughs> now, this is actually a really, really important point because you can't be, as April mentioned, you can't be a team of one and to do this work, right? You need to have the feedback. You need to have all of the exposure to the people that are going to provide you that insight that you need in order to create the right company values. But in order to do this, you have to actually seek out the right people. So a lot of times what people tend to do is like, hey, raise your hand if you want to be part of this team. No, that no, is no, absolutely the wrong thing to do. What you want to do is you want to go seek out the right people to be on the team. Yes. And you want to invite them to be on the team. And you probably going to incentivize them to be on the team mm-hmm. as well. And these are people that others look to to kind of create the culture, right? So these are the people who are naturally already feeling upbeat maybe about where the company is is going or the potential behind the company or have um, been a cheerleader in, in the past or they are the ones who like to generate the fun within the environment or they're the ones who are really empathetic to the way people are feeling or are very in touch with the way people feel. These are the people that are probably planning your events and planning the happy hours and and really just naturally trying to create a culture regardless of what you already have in the past. Now, it could also be people who are highly disgruntled. That's always a very interesting person to have Fair. because, you know, you have to t- win sometimes these um these dissenters in order for your culture to actually take hold and actually grow. Now, be careful that these dissenters are not just dissenters because they're that kind of a person, mm-hmm. you know, they're just not going to like anything. But if you feel like there's an opportunity to kind of bring them back, bring them back, and and, and change it around, and they're going to give you that really good lens of like, no, 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 you guys say this, but you act like this, you know, these are some like disconnects. This, this Those people could be really, really good in order to make sure that, that you you stay honest. I think another point important point is that these aren't necessarily the, all the leaders in your organization either. So these are people that are representative of each one of the different functions that are important in order to come together and create the culture. They may be people lower on the totem pole because they have the best insight into what is it ever the dynamic is that's going down on there. So that whether that's people on the floor, people on the phones, people that are out the, you know, with your customers and, and your consumers – you decide what's the right people to form this team, but you should have some representation across the board that your culture is going to touch. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it is – well, first I want to touch on the dissenter piece. If it's a dissenter that is dissenting because they want it to be a different way and will participate, against yes. point – yeah then that is completely fine to have them and yes, can be an absolutely interesting lens. The other thing I want to touch on is the fact that leadership is not a criteria for this and that the people don't have to be in a position of power. They also don't have to agree with each other about what this needs to look like. Respectful debate. Yes. So – I'll contextualize with an example. The last agency I was at, we were in the process of growing pretty rapidly, which is good. We were going to move offices, but there was a a subset of us that were super passionate about the culture that had existed and been cultivated for the years that the agency had been in business and making sure that Mm. that was going to live moving forward. And so in this instance, there was a lot of, uh, I would say, organic development of the culture and values (laughs) of the organization. So we knew we had some cleanup to do in addition to, you know, taking what was great and pulling it forward. I would also say that the four of us that were on the team were the group that was going to be the up and coming leadership. Like we had other leaders in the organization, but this was going to be like the nucleus, right, mm-hmm. of what it was going to look like. And the four of us got along to varying degrees, quite frankly. So there were a lot of dynamics of these people coming together. But the purpose or the point of having this group was we knew that we were going to respectfully debate, like Anne said, we knew we were not going to agree. But we were all committed because we all felt that this was so important and that we had something special that was worth preserving. And we also had some behaviors that needed to go away if we were going to elevate to the next level of quote unquote agency, the types of clients we were going to get, all of those types of things. And so just to contextualize this point, and Anne said it, you know, you got to make sure you have the right people. You do not ask people to raise their hand for this exercise. Yeah, know. They have to be quote unquote nominated because they're the right folks, but they also have to be asked, not told that they were going to do it. And that's what we did in this instance too. It was, look, I think the four of us could work better together. We have some things to iron out too, but I think this is a place where we are the right four people to manage this process for the organization, get buy-in, keep it real and let people see that and make sure that we get this right moving forward. Yep. All right, point number three, be choiceful about the values you select and the reasons why. And because apparently Anne is salty about not
0: being consulted, she's going to take this point too. (laughs) This one I do get though, and I'm actually pretty good at uh, at fishing this out. But like we said in the first point, the themes that come out today or in that immediate session may not be the ones you want for the future, but you need to start from somewhere so that you can actually – Choose. Mm -hmm. Now, there's generally a limit to the number of values you want to have. Like four to six is a good number. Any less, you may not have enough for people to grab onto or to actually shape the culture. Any more than people are like, they can't remember them, they can't internalize them, they're not tangible to them, and it starts to kind of feel a little disorienting and and a little disorganized. Mm -hmm. So, we're big fans of success criteria. So, let's give you guys some success criteria for how you would potentially evaluate or choose your value so first are they ownable to us yep now as we went back and we said before like things like integrity I I struggle to find any company that says no I don't care about integrity. <laughs> Right? Anybody can act the way that they want to act. I mean, what do we need integrity. We want to for? be a culture of jerks. Yeah. You know. what, what, what? I mean, okay, fine. You know, so I mean, it's, it's a flippant response, but I hope you guys kind of like got the context of like why it's important and to take what integrity means to you yep. and translate it into something that is tangible for people to internalize because also integrity can mean different things for different people, right? But it's really integrity is all about how you want people to show up. Yes. So be more descriptive about how you want people to show up in order to demonstrate what you mean by integrity, right? Mm-hmm. Now, also, are they different enough from each other? So a lot of people will tend to over-index in certain areas, right? Integrity and honesty, for example, they're kind of the same thing. <laughs> you do what you know you're supposed to do. You're, you're truthful about what you want to do. It, it all kind of is part yeah. of the same bucket. So those aren't really being choiceful either with regards to making sure you have four to six that really are defining your culture. Yeah, don't
1: waste one with a limited number on being repetitive. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: Are they things we'll be proud to be a part of or work for? So for example, if like authenticity is really, really important, then you need to be able to contextualize what that is in a way that generates that feeling or that emotion or that vibe That is going to really make people understand and have that connection, that relation to other humans about what the feeling is. So it's like really finding like where that pride resides and what everybody kind of feels that gels them together or makes them different or makes them feel like they belong here or feel like they belong someplace or maybe it's the anti of that, what you, you just figured out. It's like, oh, people don't feel like they belong here. Well, what, what is the why to that? Yes. And then figure out, well, okay, well, what is going to solve for that, right? So you have to might have to look at it from both, two different directions. And then when you look at the people that work here and you want to keep them here, do they exude these values? So this might not be everyone and it might not be everyone at that moment. And some people you're going to find that you can kind of bring along with you, like we were talking about the dissenters. And some yep. you're going to find, hey, they just don't belong here. Yep. And that's going to be a really, really tough decision and tough call that you guys are going to have to make. But it's one that's so critical to the culture because if the culture isn't gelling or you have like the one bad apple or whatever metaphor that you want to use, it can destroy and undermine your culture. And the one big thing that is so important for culture is that that is what pulls in new talent. Yes. That is what retains your talent. So if you're letting one person kind of undermine and define... And a culture that you aren't intending to, you could be undermining your whole entire company. Yes. And your whole entire talent pool, right? Now, also, do they have enough weight or meaning so that they have some, again, I call it like the tangibleness, but also some longevity. Yes. Right? So this is not something that's like necessarily in the moment that you want need to fix or in the moment that you want people to know about you. It's something that you feel like is going to be a core part of. Of the value your, your your company is going to, or your business, or your brand, or your team, however you're defining your values, is going to exhibit both internally and externally for some time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is also important. I think this is where the rubber starts to meet the road, and people have a hard time making decisions. Yes. And so... When we think about this point of being choiceful and then really developing the reasons why, I will say for the number of times that I have done this with organizations, the ones that get it right spend the due diligence in this moment to dig and dig and dig and dig. So it's everything from not just taking the key themes that come out of the survey at face value and saying, check, 75% of people said that one. That's a good
0: one. That's a good one. We'll just leave that one, yeah.
1: It's also, like we said to point number two, having the right people to do it. I would say hours are spent, quite honestly, debating these when you have the right team of people to do it because it is so important to making sure that the foundation of the culture is going to be right For the foreseeable future and beyond, that you wanna make sure you are hitting on those key things that really at your very foundation you stand for. And, you know, I'll tell you right now, it's not things like integrity, it's not approachability, it's not authenticity. Those things are not gonna get you there. And so, When I think back, like I said, on the projects that we did where this really took hold, those people were committed to hashing it out and it didn't happen in one session and it was important. And I know there's people listening right now saying, oh, it sounds like hard work, you know, but that's the reason why people get it wrong because they're like, we have our day jobs. It doesn't matter that much. We have a good culture. Who cares if it's really specifically defined? But man, when you get these right and you get to those really meaty things that everyone feels compelled to be a part of and the organization really stands for, that's where you find the gold. And to Anne's point, that's where you start attracting talent that wants to come work for you instead of having to go and seek out the right people. And given the environment we're in right now, that's a really good situation and place to be in.
0: Yeah, and I would say too, I think all that is right on. And if you're struggling to try to figure out what these are, maybe start with the end in mind. Yes. right. So start with like, what kind of vibe do we want here? Mm -hmm. How do we want people to feel? What do we want people to say about working here? Or how would they talk about what it's like to work here with a friend or, you know, with their parents or, you know, wh- whoever, where you can start to kind of figure out what keeps people there and what would draw people to you and then figure out, okay, well, how do we have to show up or well, who do we have to be in order to create that vibe? So sometimes starting with the end in mind helps you to kind of backtrack and try to get some alignment with regards to what it could look like or what it needs to be in order to create this environment everybody wants.
1: Yeah, and I I think you examine the people that are sitting at the table. Right. Right? How would you describe each other? Yep. What are the things, because you were chosen because you were the ones that best represent the culture on its best day, right? Or what people are drawn to or what they want to be a part of, right? And this is, I'm preempting, you know, the next point a little bit here, but this is where you start speaking in a lot more human way. Right. Right? Like, okay, I'm an honest person. Cool. But that's not what defines me. Right. So it's like what you know, what is it about us or in one of the back to the the example of the last agency, I was the newest one at the table. Everyone else had been there for five plus years. So my role was really to be the voice in the room of, What drew me here? What was different than other organizations I worked in? What were those points that sold me on coming to the company? You know, that was my role in that situation. And then subsequently, why did they choose to hire me? What was it about me that fit that culture? You know, those types of exercises are the things you want to spend the time on so that you are thinking critically about what is the true connection point instead of just, that's nice. And
0: then if you were going to stay, what does the place need to be like? Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. All right, so point number four, and this is definitely mine because this is always mine, but craft the values in your company's voice. I'm always the brand character, tone of voice, police, so this one sits very much in my court. Uh, This is a huge one, and this is one that a lot of companies miss. So if you get to the point of the last point, And you've really identified those really salient things that at your core, that's why you want to be a part of this company. If you don't do this point, you miss a major opportunity. So when you think about values, the way that I just wholeheartedly believe they have to live is they have to be uh, at least several words or a phrase to really get at the crux of what the value means, it cannot be a single word. So in the previous exercise, you probably did get to some pretty meaty words, right? What are those words that really define who we are? This is about defining them with intention so that when people hear them, they know what they mean, they remember them, and they know how to go and be whatever that value says. Mm -hmm. So I will give you some specific examples from previous work, all right? So commitment was one of the words that's a little bit of like a okay but there was you know what we came to is there is a really like for the people that thrive here and want to be here they are so committed to the work and so passionate mm-hmm. about it that it just is in who they are right but also as part of that they have to be challenged so that was kind of the crux of it right that was not a very eloquent way to develop the value so what the value became was we eat impossible for breakfast mm-hmm. yeah and everyone got that, right? You know what that means. It is whatever that challenge is. I am so committed and passionate that I'm going to figure it out with my people around me and we're going to do exactly what is right and we're going to run at it and we're going to solve it, right? There's an energy about that one. The next one was all about support. So there was a really strong culture around not calling out individuals, not blaming things on one person. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about agencies, it can easily go the other way. Being in it, you know, wanting to have the most creative idea that I did, it really wasn't that culture. It was a culture of, look, we need all the functions. Everyone has a role here. Everyone's voice, regardless of level, needs to be heard. But also if something goes wrong, we own it as an organization. Mm -hmm. And that was just a non-negotiable. And that was actually one of the reasons I joined because of bad behaviors and other ones, right? So the value there, and this was actually the hardest one to get to. And I remember exactly where we were when the copywriter on the team, of course, was the one who came up with it. It was, we've got your six, which is a military term, right? And so it's all about, you have the backs of every, and i never articulate this exactly as eloquently as, as he did, but it was one of those ones that just, transcended and was really intuitive for people right all the time we've got each other's backs we're all going to work together if someone falls we pick them up we move on other people step in that was it right and then the the final one which I always loved because it took a really boring theme uh and made it so much better was about just hard work You know, grinding through, it's a tough business. It's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. You've really got to love what you do, but you also have to be compelled to always be a student of it because it changes all the time. So this one was we do good gooder. And we (laughs) could have, you know. It had to drive you nuts. So for me, it was hard. And I remember being like, really? And they were like, okay, April, fun police. Like, You're the most serious about this values exercise, which was true. We have to have a little bit of fun, right? There's a levity to this company. There are people, and they used to tease me all the time about how There was a lot of PTSD that came with me because the last agency had been really stern and, like, one of the most formal ones that I worked at. And so they loved me in the interview, and then I got in and started doing the work, and they were like, is she ever going to snap out of it? Like, why does she just go into the zone? And so that was always a running joke. So we move forward with We Do Good Gooder, which is – We are hardworking, we were committed, but we also could laugh at ourselves, have a good time, we're not saving lives, all of those themes were baked in that. So hopefully with those examples, you can kind of see what I mean about the previous point of getting to like what are the really meaty things that define us. It can be one word or or words that go together and work together, but then what is the single phrase or sentence or whatever that is culturally relevant to the brand character of our business that people are going to be able to immediately attach to and then go and live?
0: Yeah, and I think this can be a really, really difficult exercise, and this is definitely one, not to plug forthright people too much, <laughs> but it is definitely one that we help others do because sometimes you need that third party to kind of come in and take that assessment, synthesize everything yep. down, kind of make it a little bit more salient and give you an outsider in perspective, which could be very helpful for a lot of folks. who so somebody kind of gets stuck in mm-hmm. the minutia of a lot of things because then what we tend to hear too, when a lot of people start talking about their values, they start talking about, all the things that they're going to have to go do now as a result. And you get stuck in this like little changeable thing. So then you kind of start, or that little tactical thing, not the tangible thing, where you start then to feel like, oh, we should change our values so we don't have to go do all this work. So you have somebody who's kind of keeping you honest, keeping you in the process. Because ultimately, when you can get to this point, it can transform organizations like nothing else. and But it's so, so important, though, like I said in the very beginning, it can't just be words. It has to be actions related to the words. And so if you can't make the words mean anything to people, if they're not resonating with people, and like it's not going to resonate with 100% of your organization, but you should strive to make it resonate with a good significant portion of it your culture becomes something that starts to kind of live and breathe and have a personality and it starts to kind of create an atmosphere that people want to be part of all those for all those things that we talked about so reach out to us if you're struggling with this um it's it's definitely work that we like to do but april happens to be extremely good at it so i'll give her the props there well, well thank you um and not to pile on too much
1: and not to support us too much but Bonus points if you can get a visualization to go with the value. Yes, it's very important. It is tremendously helpful. We're not all, you know, there's plenty of us out there who are visual learners and in the creative space, of course. But I think it also, to Anne's point, really helps to start to bring it to life and people start to associate the visual and the words and all of the pieces together and that can be really strong. The other thing I will say is if you are like, oh, shoot, we don't really have a brand character. <laughs> we have plenty oh, yeah. of episodes, worksheets, tools, things out there. You can be digging into the values at the same time that you're building the character. Obviously, I realize those are t- two internal things that you're doing while you also have to be doing the work of the work for your business. But there, we also have those tools out there, too. And, yes, please reach out. I, I think – this is one, and this is why I say in this point that so many companies miss this or they stop here or, or whatever, because it's not an easy exercise to do. But hopefully, you hear that the payoff can just be tremendous. Yeah, like the value absolutely. of the quote unquote pain of in the moment of getting this right. And like you just heard us say, there's plenty of people you can ask to help you. The payoff on the other side is just huge. I mean, huge. So, yeah, there you go. I agree. So just to recap, how to build company values that impact culture. Number one, identify the key value pillars that your company stands for today or the perceptions of what they are. Start with where you are to inform where you would like to go. Number two, engage a team of culturally tuned in folks to assist in the value development. These are the people that naturally engage in company culture and lead through it. Also note, they may not necessarily be titled leader. Number three, be choiceful about the values you select and the reasons why. Three is too few. More than six is too many. Give people enough but not too much to grab onto. And number four, craft the values in your company's voice. Many companies stop before this step and miss a critical opportunity for the values to really take hold in the organization.
0: Amen to that point. Are you
1: craving a deeper dive immersion into the topics on our podcast? Then you will appreciate our virtual consultancy. Located on the shop page of our website, forthright-people.com, you can now download our digital coaching modules on vigilant leadership, culture building, and social strategy. For the cost of a book, you will get diagnostic tools and exercises to assess your current state and development tools to quickly and intentionally improve your proficiency. These are quick yet effective ways to improve your marketing savvy today. Check it out and let us know other topics you would like us to go deep on. And our next segment in the trenches where by now, you know, we give real world examples specific to industries and situations, but with broad application. So any of you listening can digest and put them into action. Number one, which I'm going to hand to Anne. People are excited about the values exercise, but they all want to be decision makers. How do we handle this, Anne?
0: Yeah, so it's awesome that a lot of people have passion for it, right? But as we've said multiple, multiple times, you cannot decide these things by committee no right so when <laughs> when we're talking about being choiceful you actually also have to be choiceful for who's going to make the decisions and so it's really important like we said to use that team and maybe and, and really craft that team to be one that is going to be those decision makers f- for you and then have another like management leadership that's actually going to ratify it if you will yep Now, that doesn't mean that people can't play a role. So there's lots of roles to play in this process. They could be ambassadors where they can help to uh, feed the information back in and and deploy it back out. They could be people who are PMs who are going to help organize how it's going to get rolled out. Um, they could be ones who are like fantastic designers who are going to create the new swag. So there could be lots and lots of roles and there's always a a place for people to play if they have the passion to do so. We say find a role for them. They don't necessarily need to be the decision makers in there. You'll have to be very, very clear about who is going to be making the decisions and that everybody else's is is input and that input is being heard. Yep. But (laughs) there's only certain people that are going to make the decisions. Yep. The role that everybody gets to play is in living the values, right? So that's an expectation you said for everybody. So regardless of what role they're playing, they are all responsible for actually living it. And you as managers and leaders are the ones responsible for actually modeling it. Mm-hmm. So if you're not going to model it, then nobody else is going to follow it. And you can't, again, just use the words and then pretend like people know what those words mean. <laughs> your behaviors, your examples, the way that you you are present yourself, the way you show up, is what actually makes these things very clear. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw April um, having somebody else's sex because she was there and she um, this person didn't, wasn't quite ready and she just stepped in and she was like just there for them and she didn't make them feel bad or anything like that. So the next time that happens to me. Now I know what kind of behavior I'm supposed to exhibit and what they expect from me, right? So make sure you're being the models. And then also over-communicate. This is really, really important, you guys, as you're going through this. This shouldn't be like a top secret thing that only a few people know. This Mm -hmm. should be something that you're continually reminding the organization what is going on, where you are in the process, what to expect. And it's also something you continue to renew on a regular basis. So the whole deployment is a launch period but then there's also the periods of making sure that you're refreshing it making sure that you're doing something else to kind of reinvigorate it because it will start to kind of tail off everybody get really excited then it'll kind of tail off and so you're going to have to kind of bring that energy back up and remind people why you're all here again so you also want to think about that in the process
1: yeah I, i mean this is one where this is you can fall off before you even begin If you let it be decision by committee. But I think the point is really well taken that everyone can and should have a role if they're excited about the opportunity. So that's something to very quickly get into. I think a lot of times when people say they want to be involved in this kind of stuff, it's they want to be in the know. Right. Right. And so there's lots of different ways to make that happen for them. And you also make the process of the rollout a whole lot easier. Like I was saying before, people feel bought in as things are going along. I think the worst thing that can happen is when it feels like somebody goes away and comes back and presents it to the organization, people automatically don't want to like that because they feel like well, am I not important enough to give input or why wasn't I selected for that committee or I guess I don't have value in this area? Like it just creates so much doubt. And so I am a huge fan of saying, look, everyone can't decide. We'll never finish. (laughs) We can't have all these people involved, right? So you have to trust us to believe that, We've picked the right people for the job. However, we trust you, like you said, Anne, to help us – Make sure it rolls out in a way because that's actually more than the decision making of what they are, it's all the stuff that happens after. And so everyone can have a role to play in that portion of it. Mm -hmm. And I've also said things like, you know, you might think this sounds fun. Well, we just spent four hours in a room hashing. Like there's all kinds of ways you can state that this is not something that while it might look shiny on the surface, the shiny happens after you go through all the mess to get to the right answers.
0: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like people just want to be heard. Yeah. So they feel like there's certain places where they can be heard. So if you make it a forum where everybody is heard, Mm -hmm. then people tend to kind of like relax a little. It's also a sense of wanting control. Right, oh yeah. Too. So yeah. you have to play that one a little bit more. You play to the ego. Yeah, and you also and acknowledge it and acknowledge it, but you can't give into it. Either, no. Right. So nope. Um, you got to be diplomatic when it comes to that one. But again, as long as everybody feels heard or feels represented, yes, it, it tends to go a whole lot smoother. Yes, absolutely.
1: All right. Number two in the trenches. The voice part seems really hard. Why is it so important? So I said this before. <laughs> Honestly. why I don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it is hard. And, you know, Anne gave me the props to say that I'm good at this. I was spoiled in agency life to learn from some of the best, to have writers on staff and people that are just really good with words. I also pride myself on being someone who loves creative writing, right? So I think I'm built for this. I've also been in organizations that built me for this. Right. So... I think when people get discouraged is where they see an output and they're like, I could never do that, which is why you ask for help and all of those other things. But I just, my personal opinion is that the reasons that people quit is because the investment to getting it right seems greater than the impact. And this is just completely wrong. So I want to just go through what happens when you phone it in, you do those single words or a phrase that really doesn't mean anything to people and then what can happen. So it leaves it open to interpretation for people. So they mm-hmm. feel like they can take it and take it any which way they want to what it personally means
0: for them. Or justified their current behavior based on yes, what the exactly. word is. Like, exactly. Of course I'm that way.
1: Yeah, it's just become so subjective. When you don't want that, you want the opposite. You want it to be as objective as possible. Like Ian just gave that example of, We've got your six, right? Anne wasn't part of the organization with me that built that. She just repeated that back and then gave the very transparent example of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. When you don't do that, that's where you have the justification or, or, what, or it looks a thousand different ways because you have a thousand different employees. The second thing is it lacks memorability. So people can't recall you know, they might say, oh, one of ours is honesty. Oh, it's actually integrity. Y'all oh, whoops. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 They don't, they're like, oh, it's one of those words, one of those feeling words. I've heard that said before in organizations, too. Number three, it's not inspiring. So you've just spent time building these. Go the extra little bit to make it inspiring for people so that they say, I want that. And they go tell their friends and their friends want to come to the organization. That's what you're looking for here. And then the last one is really it just gives zero guardrails for what it means for the day-to-day or the impact that people can have. So you want people to hear those values and say, I know what that means for my role and I want to go and do better because of the value that I've heard. When you don't do this extra tone or voice exercise and get it exactly right so it hits home with people, then it just all completely falls flat. And so now you've spent this time, you got people excited about the fact that you're doing a values exercise, you're trying to reinvigorate the culture, it all will fall flat and then it just is one of those things that gets put in a drawer that didn't work, go back to your day-to-day and none of the things have been addressed, the problems haven't been solved and you don't have a playbook for everyone to be going from. So I, I just remember, I'll give an anecdote again to the back to the I've Got Your Six that you know you've really hit the holy grail when people start using the values in their day-to-day language, even if it's tongue-in-cheek. So I will never, ever forget, and I can remember the conference room clear as day where we were wrapping up a meeting and someone was like, oh shoot, I'm not going to be there tomorrow. Hey, can you handle this for me? And it was like, no problem, because you know what? I got your six. And I was happy to have been in the room, right? Because I was part of the team that developed that. And I was just like, Ah, oh, Like we did it. We did it. Now people are using these in the vernacular of their everyday work. And it was a little tongue in cheek, but that was perfect for the culture of the organization. That was our tone. Right. And it was said in a flippant way, but with respect to what it was. Yeah. Right. And so that's where you just know that you've really hit it because it had taken hold in a way that you can't manufacture. And that's why this tone piece is just so important.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, and and I think, it again, it sets the vibe of the culture. Yes. Right? It yep. gives the culture life. It gives a culture a personality. I mean, I know I've said this like a gazillion times and I can continue to say it because I don't think it resonates with people as strongly as it should. But it also gives a filter for you, the way that you want people to act, the way uh-huh. that you want people to show up, the things that you go do. Like a lot of people get stuck in the fact of like, oh, yeah, we have to have a philanthropy and we have to have a fun social event and we have to have a Christmas party and we have to like have all these things. Well, why? Mm -hmm. Like what's the intent? What's the purpose? What do you think what these things to look like? What's important to you as an organization? Your values help you define that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it does give you a little bit of a way to filter and make good decisions in order to continue to reinforce your your culture so that it has that tangibleness that people can like feel and and be a part of. So that's again like the human nature of it. That's what makes it relatable. It's what makes it you know an ability to be able to connect people all together. Otherwise, like you said, it's just so arbitrary. It's like it's it's just gonna fall flat. Mm-hmm. Yep. No.
1: Totally. So hopefully, we've just sold you on this. <laughs> Right spot
0: in this, in this yeah, answer because you'd be like okay we got it already Jeez. Yeah, 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 there's but, still 20 minutes left of this podcast but, okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no I mean I I just oh it's just it's that PTSD for me it's like I've seen so many organizations get so close and then
0: not do it not go across the finish line go, right yeah exactly so that's probably not one of their values uh, right completion you <laughs> 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 take mile? everything across the finish line <laughs> It'd be a really good way of articulating completion. (laughs)
1: See, you can do
0: the work. Look at that. Mm, That one just came to me. (laughs) Brilliant.
1: (laughs) All right. Third and final in the trenches. You mentioned rolling them out. How do we do that? Well, you are in luck because we've already written an episode on how to do that, which will be coming (laughs) (laughs) shortly, probably a couple weeks after this one. So there will be a part two on brand rollout. But a few things here to get you started. Number one, a rollout plan. So you heard us say that there's a role for everyone. The rollout plan is more important really in a lot of ways than getting the values right because if you don't get people excited, you don't educate them on how they're supposed to be, you don't give them an opportunity to take hold in the organization, and you don't build the momentum and excitement around them through the rollout plan, then They're not going to have as much impact as they possibly could have. So you've got to really build a plan with intention. Uh, Events are always a fan favorite for this. And a lot of times more than one, like Ann said, you're Mm going to have to tell people and you're going to have to keep it exciting and and retell them. You want to make sure – Tell different parts of your organization in different parts of the country or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So – You really want to squeeze as much juice out of this as you can. You've just spent the time and the investment of getting it right. So now share it with the organization in a way that's going to make it right for them and build that cultural momentum. The second thing is a brand ambassador team. So this team complements the decision-making team and makes sure that the rollout plan is put into execution. So... You help them build the plan. They have some input in that. That's where you kind of work back and forth, but then it transitions to them to make sure that it happens. And these folks also should be invited, asked to be part of it, incentivized as well, but they can also then bring others on to get the work done, right? So, Anne said before, they're they're people with different skills, right? So the brand ambassadors weren't always the designers who were going to design, you know, all the swag that was going to go along. So they would go and tap the designers and say, can you do coffee mugs? Can you do and then Mm -hmm. you need your production team to source those coffee mugs, right? So you can see how all different people get involved in the process. The third is the things. This is the swag, like Mm -hmm. I just mentioned. You need to identify the things that people see on a daily basis and update them with the values. Notebooks, coffee mugs, wall murals, posters, TV screens – what are the things that need to be updated in the office, number one, and what are the things that are just the currency of your organization that people just love? In creative agencies, notebooks are the thing, but people are super snobs about their notebooks, so you better make sure that it is super high quality. You know, we did these beautiful, with the illustrations on the front and the value illustrated by each of the designers for the six values, and on the back, there was what that value meant, but you better believe they were expensive, they were really nice, <laughs> card stock they didn't fall apart the values were embossed I mean to the point where and I'm you know spoiler alerting myself for that next episode because it's fresh also because it's written and ready to go um, but where clients were asking for them because yeah. they just thought they were so cool so what are those things and then what are the things that need updating so we had a mishmash of of coffee mugs in this beautiful new space. Well we threw all of those out, or I think we donated them actually, and then brought in only coffee mugs that had the six values on them. So next thing you know, everyone has those literally in their face all day long. And then ongoing integration, Anne talked about this piece some, but how are they gonna take hold truly in the organization after the rollout? So Your review criteria, people should be evaluated against the values. Your hiring Mm -hmm. criteria, your firing criteria. We talked about getting rid of some of the bad eggs that aren't going to come along with the culture. Um, Monthly rewards, do peers nominate someone who that month upheld whatever value you're celebrating that month, yearly value recognition where someone embodies all six of them, spot bonuses where a manager notices someone lived one of the values and hands them a reward. You have to, with intention, make sure that they take hold in the organization. It's great when you have people using them and saying them whatever, but that only happens if there's a post-rollout plan that is all about making sure that they are front and center in the organization just forever at that point. So. And then again, don't get too overwhelmed here because like I said, we're going to have an episode that will spell all of this out in detail and help you with a step-by-step plan. But that should hopefully be enough to get you started thinking as you're developing the values about what that plan should look like.
0: Yeah, and the only thing I will add to that is that managers and leaders, this is all about you. I mean, yeah, if your you, job. you have to make time for it, you need to tell everybody it's important. You need to hold everybody accountable. You need to hold yourself accountable because if you don't, hold this up as being something that's extremely important, nobody else is going to either. Like I said, you are the model. So if you're modeling that this is ah just something we have to do, we're going to put in place Ugh. and, you know, and then we're done with it. That's what everybody's going to feel about exactly what you just deployed. So, and I also want to say, I think it's really important th- about the surrounding them with all these signals of yes. what it's supposed to be, the reminders. And it's not just pretty wall art but it is reminders like when you're walking by it's like oh yeah and it's not even like you cognitively like seeing it and going oh yeah yeah that that that's it it just kind of like is those like things that kind of just filter through mm-hmm. like the ether and the it's kind almost of, like a
1: subliminal cue yes yeah, it's a
0: subliminal cue but then it does provide some aspect of reminding people as they are going through their day-to-day so it's very important the swire piece tends to be like the part that everybody's like oh yeah we'll just kind of like put our put it on some things but really be intentional about what is going to be useful like you said with the notebooks for your employees and so that they can feel like this is something that is part of their day-to-day right yep. yeah and you've heard them like
1: that notebook thing I'm telling you what it, it was is a big like- deal <laughs> <laughs> the first thing is. we did for ourselves is make notebooks yeah although they're not as high quality as I one day want but yeah. I digress well
0: now we can upgrade <laughs>
1: All right. And our third and final segment is where we highlight companies or brands that may or may not be using their marketing smarts. We call this marketing smarts moments. And in this case, well, and always, it may or may not have anything to do with the episode. And today, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with values. However, I believe this company really does have very high values based on the experience. But in any case, so it's a good one. So, My example for today is DEETS. They are a local actual neighborhood for me, um, car detailing service that is right around the block in one of the other, off of one of the other streets in my subdivision. And so this one gets points right off the bat for simplicity and super streamlined usage of a QR code to schedule an appointment. So here is how I found out about DEETS. I was walking our puppy, Vinny, And I saw a sign in this yard with a QR code on it. At that point in time, I did not realize it was the owner's home. Uh But they were detailing a car in the driveway. And I have been, it has been a stress on my mind that we have taken umpteen vacations. The puppy has now puked in my car and I have not (laughs) had my car detailed in an exceptionally long time. And I'd had this original brilliant idea that the kids were going to earn money. They wanted to clean the inside of the car. We're going to take all the mats out. They're oh, going to yeah, do it. yeah, right. They're almost seven and almost four. So you can imagine how that was going to go. Or that someday I was going to actually get out the Windex and all the things and take it apart and do it. Which is something that sounds like just pure hell to me. In all your free time. In all my free time. Yeah, exactly. So... I'm passing, so it cued my interest. I actually thought at the time that they had put the the sign in the yard because they were working at those people's house, which mm. was is a brilliant idea, Dietz, if you're if you're listening here, you should be passing out those signs. Um, but in any case it turned out that to be their house. So I'm walking the dog. I walk over, I take a picture of the QR code. I'm walking a puppy, you guys. In the next four minutes, I was able to go in. Schedule a service, click on the appointment time, do the upgrade to have them also spend an extra, I think it was 30 or 35 bucks to clean my daughter's car seat, take it apart and completely clean it. It was, I believe, $99 for the detail for two hours, a two hour block of time that I signed up for. And then the addition for the car seat, they were going to come to my driveway and do it. So in four minutes' time walking a puppy, I was confirmed appointment for next week for a two-hour block of time for what I did not feel like was a substantial amount of money, especially given the picture I painted about the state of my car. Right? Wow. Freaking amazing, okay? I may not have been talking about them if that was the only experience, but Caesar, who's one of the owners or maybe the owner, I don't know, knocked on my door for my appointment – on time, the next week and just couldn't have been nicer, friendlier, more appreciative that we had signed up with him. Just his demeanor was great. But he his ask was, I live right around the corner, which is how I found out of Sis house. Would it be okay if I took the car to my house? Because you'll get better service because everything is set up to do the cleaning there. And since you're in the neighborhood, we just figured it would be better if we just took it there. And I was like, okay, whatever. So... I'm walking the puppy again. Same route. (laughs) My car's in their driveway. We're now past the two-hour mark. I see that two guys had been working on my car, wasn't charged anything extra for going beyond. Everything was, like, neatly out, all the mats and everything, so you could tell that they had done their due diligence. So I got a glimpse into the process Mm -hmm. and the thoroughness, right? So then I had texted him and said, you know, just put the key in the mailbox. I'm not going to be home or whatever. And... So he brought the car back. The service itself, it's a waterless service, which I did not interpret or I didn't internalize that when I first went to sign up. But when I went to leave the review, (laughs) I did see that. I mean, that makes it even more impressive. But I mean, like I said, two young kids. This car has not been detailed probably in three years, several vacations, dog hair, dog puke. The car looks freaking brand new. Wow. And... Then with that, just the overall experience of it, and so I asked for the Venmo code to to tip them. He was super appreciative of that. We went through the you know give a review, super appreciative of that. And the other day, I'm walking the dog again, different part of the neighborhood, and Caesar was like, "Hey April, by name." So uh, just the entire thing, and I've now recommended, like, you know, we talk about word of mouth and how that's golden, and if you could get your experience right, this is, guys, this is what I'm talking about here. My sister's going to sign up when she gets back from vacation. My dad's thinking about leaving his car one day when he has the kids. Yeah, I think I'm just going to come
0: and I'll leave my car there and work at your house.
1: Yeah, exactly, or while we're doing the podcast, they'll just come over, take it, take care of it, so – exceptional wow and, I mean from start to finish I have literally nothing bad to say which we all know that's surprising yes tough critic that I am just just amazing wow so I love those guys
0: that's a good one and also points
1: for April for offloading something on her
0: plate <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> especially if you thought that you're gonna have your kids clean it Okay. Just like such
1: a stupid thought
0: as I think oh of it, whatever. I probably would have had to have it detailed
1: anyway. After Again, that. after that,
0: yeah, I could only imagine. And I have a popsicle while I'm cleaning your car.
1: Um, oh, and the funny thing is, is my son Sam asked if he could go knock on Caesar's door and ask him how he managed to get the melted crayon out of the cup holder. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Yes, well, we're not going to knock on his door, but next time he's out cleaning, you can go ask Caesar how he managed that." Wow, there you go. <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah, state of the car. So just to recap, how to build company values that impact culture. Number one, identify the key value pillars that your company stands for today or the perception of what they are. Start there so you're informed and then decide where you want to go. Number two, engage a team of culturally tuned in folks to assist in the value development. These are the people that naturally engage in company culture and lead through it. They may not necessarily have the title of leader, nor do they need to. Number three, be choiceful about the values you select and the reasons why. Three is too few. More than six is too many. Give people enough to latch onto, but not too many that they can't remember. And number four, craft the values in your company's voice. Many companies stop before the step and miss a critical opportunity for the values to take hold and live in the organization. And with that, we will say, go and exercise your marketing smarts. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.